Wake your ass up. Wait, that's not. Right, hang on. Stop, 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 stop. Episode 28. Happy Wednesday to you. Beautiful day. We have an incredible interview with uh, perhaps one of the most widely known deep snappers who has become a national name especially tied to Colin Kaepernick. We'll have that interview with Nate Boyer in segment two. But guys, as of the recording of this podcast, we will have high school football tentatively set to begin in Texas. What are your thoughts on what you may have seen from the UIL as far as the guidelines for 5A, 6A, and then 1A through 4A starting on time for 1A through 4A? I, I divert to Mo. I don't know anything about it. Mo knows way more than I do. It's, uh, I think it's quite interesting. Um, they're giving the smaller schools, basically the schools that are not in the city, uh, a go and letting all the, the bigger cities have to be delayed by, what, three, four weeks almost. Um, I still don't understand what the hell is going to solve. I guess they think they can have more of a control of a flow um, more control of smaller city versus bigger city, but what if some of those 4A teams play a 5A school? Like, I don't know what the hell they're serving. I guess they're just putting something out there just to say that they're trying to do something, and I get it. Um, but logistically, I, I still don't know what the hell that's going to stop or slow down or, you know, if it's going to do anything. I'm, I'm curious as to how actual – uh, high school football is going in Texas and, and around the country, but more, more so Texas is actually going to look like, are you going to have, yeah. are you going to have fans in the stands? Are they going to be 50, doing 50% for high school? Yeah. So that, so that, what are they basing that 50% off of? Is it 50% of what the stands that's can hold? See, that's what I thought. 50%. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, if that's the case, that's hell. That you looking at shit. Certain stadiums, like House Park, that's probably what maybe six thousand one hundred and fifty. Well, I'm saying per side. So, are they saying okay, this entire stadium can hold what, ten thousand people? So we're gonna cut it down to five thousand people. Or are they gonna base it off of all right? This stand on the home side can hold, you know. 2,000 people, so we're going to cut that down to 1,000. This side over here can hold the same amount, so we'll cut that down to 1,000 also. Like, I don't know how – because they say of your occupancy. So most people don't operate at their standard occupancy. So – Oh, UT doesn't even occupy, right? Like, they've, yeah. they've had danger. They didn't fully sell out. Yeah. Exactly. The, um, yeah. It's crazy. The, the thing I have, it does say spectators will be required to wear masks at high school football games. And going back to what Moat said about the small towns. They ain't going to do that in small towns. Well, no. They don't give a shit. <laughs> they don't – make sure I don't cuss. Uh, <laughs> make sure I don't cuss. Don't want to upset nobody, quote, unquote. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> the small towns don't care. I was just, like I said, I was just there two weeks ago. They don't, they don't care. I was the only one rolling around with a mask. Like you, I'm not even kidding you. From Coleman, Texas, which is 
three hours away to back to Austin, you have to go through like five small towns. There were no masks because the rule is as long as you have under 20 cases, masks aren't mandatory. That's per county by the governor of Texas. So you're looking at Coleman, Texas, man. They, I mean, on the visitor's side, because, you know, you're playing teams from eight hours, nine hours away sometimes. They may only have ten people in the stands on the visitor's side. But you got – I mean, that's all you got to do in a small town. Yeah. It's Friday night. I mean, they live for football. They live for So, I just don't – I don't know. I don't see that. I don't see it working out. I, well, I mean, I'm also a skeptic, but. Well, here's, here's my thing, playing off what Mo said earlier. What doesn't make sense is that the majority of the state is 4A and below. So let's think about this. Um, 4A and below, you have less players. So let's say the quarterback gets COVID and he has to sit out for two weeks and then test twice uh, negative. So you start losing all these players. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Let them start later. Let 5A and 6A start sooner. That's what I'm trying to understand. Or why don't we just yeah. all start later? Yeah. All of them start later. Just everyone, just everyone start later. Because they're messing up. I think what the UIL has done, they've messed up some of the scheduling. Uh, maybe they looked at it and it was like, okay, you guys are not going to have your first preseason games. I guess so because the 4A teams are starting sooner. The 5A and 6A are starting later. So, therefore – if they if a four eighteen was playing a five eighteen, it's all fucked now, so they can't play each other. So they must not be having non district play. So they must yeah. be going straight some into district play. play. Don't yeah. some four A's play five A's or yeah, two A's play yeah. three A's. Like LBJ here in Austin. Yeah. LBJ. Yeah, LBJ is a is a four A school and they play five A and hell. I think they play a six A team, don't they? Yeah, and they can compete. Yeah. And, uh, and they can compete. But they're now they're trying to fill voids. Oh, they're going to have to wait. Um, but that leads to – And see, okay, so like, all right, check that out. LBJ is a 4A school. Now, and as Travis, now. as of now, Travis County has shut down all outdoor strength and conditioning for all these schools. Now, that puts LBJ in a tough situation because some of the schools that they may be playing that's not in Travis County could be still doing their strength and conditioning. So they're going to be going into the season expediting everything because they're going to be behind yeah. unless the whole state of Texas has shut down all strength and conditioning, which I don't know if they have. Yeah. It's, there was a wide variety, a wide array of uh, reaction uh, when that announcement by the UIL came out by the Texas high school football coaches. All of them were excited about it. Excited, excited, check one, check two. But then there was a third element for some of these high school football programs because their county guidelines for COVID don't allow them to do or comply or proceed with the plan, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're limited. So it's bittersweet and it's not, it's not foolproof. And, it, and the UIL has a tough job. We need to get uh, someone from the UIL on the show to better. Yeah, that would be good. Get someone on the UIL. To kind of oh. walk us through this whole deal and and what I guess what the state of California they suspended their entire fall season. Mm -hmm. But the, the UIL constitution, How? if I stand corrected, says 
cannot move fall sports to the spring. That's in my so, interpretation. So that that's going to be that would be interesting for the state of California for their other sports. Those coaches are going to be fighting for those players. Like you got track and field in the spring, you got basketball in the spring. Some of those guys that are dual athletes, like that's going to be. So how are you? Yeah, gonna how are you going to? If you're a track star and you play football, which they want you to run anyway, when you're playing football, they want you to go run track. Now you're going to have to split time. Or you're going to have, what if you got a game and a meet on a Friday or Saturday? Or yeah. or you have a game Friday and then you got to turn around and go run Saturday. And, and what if you, you know, like, basketball? And you're going for and, – and you know you're not going to get a football scholarship, but you know you're going to get a track scholarship. Yeah, I was I would skip football. Hey, I'm just running track. Right? Yeah. Well, a lot of those kids, if they, if they push that to the spring, those bigger schools, I mean, those kids aren't going to play. No. Why risk no. – why risk a full ride to a college so you can help out your, you know, high school? Exactly. The big picture of it all. We thought uh, the graduating seniors of 2020 had it bad and you felt for them. Think about this class of 21. Oh yeah. It's, this is a, it's a shit show, man. It is. But we have no show. control over it. I mean, there's nobody, I think there's effort. I think there's been effort to try to make it normal, but, you look at Texas, they, they finally announced that 50% uh, 50 50 capacity for DKR will be uh, the guidelines. Uh, we've, we've hashed that out before in previous episodes. Uh, I yeah, but they're going to be moving. I want to know how frustrated people are going to be um, because they're, they're going to be moving people. So if people are paying for bottom row seats, like lower level, well, if you're in the back end of the lower level, you might get pushed up to the upper deck because they're spreading it out. Right. I mean, yeah. could you imagine that? Like, that's ridiculous. I I was going to try and get season tickets again this year, and I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably just pass. And yeah. So, I, I bet they're going to shut down a lot of things that used to be normal. So, like, at A&M, that was part of preparation when you would warm up, they would let fans come in a little bit closer, like fans were yeah. down there in arm's reach of you. I guarantee all that's going to be shut down now. Like, just think of the, the logistics of game day preparation. How much of that is just going to be changed, period, from tailgating, from um, fans entering into the stadium, to fans exiting the stadium, to fans grabbing a drink during the game, halftime. That's a lot of fucking moving forwards. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a, there's, I feel bad for Chris Del Conte because yeah. he, he's getting berated by some of these clowns on Twitter. They're like, you're a disgrace. And I can't, why can't you just say there won't be any tailgating? Why are you, why are you going to allow everyone to tailgate? First of all, he hasn't even said that. He's saying he's going by the governor or the state's regulations. He's going by the governor's honor. Yeah. What exactly. else do you, I, this is what these people don't understand. What else are you going to do? To, I mean, what else can you do? You can't do anything. So why yeah, is everybody getting so upset, guys? Like, just yeah. be, just be excited that here's a few things for positive news. There were no positive tests in the bubble for the NBA, right. and that's 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 a good sign. Training camp is supposed to start when? Soon. It, well, soon. July twenty eighth or something like that. As, in football? Yeah, as of this recording date, 
it would be six days, I think. Six days. So that's going to happen. And then you're going to, and they're, and they're, they're testing every day. And that's, this is something that I'm curious about too, is, is like us common folk where we go and we're like, Hey, we want to get tested. And they're like, well, do you have any symptoms? Cause if not, we're not going to test you. We're not going to test you. Versus a professional athlete is going to get tested daily for two yeah. weeks. It's Figure a, that out. Like, I, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a complicated matter, but there, there are some encouraging signs. I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but it's just a significant sh- shift of uh, sight and planning, and it changes daily, I would imagine. I mean, if you think about college football as a whole – You've had the Pac-12 and Big Ten announce only conference games will be played. So some of the premier non-conference matchups won't happen. The SWAC, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, uh, HBC schools, canceled the entire season. And you have some FBS programs playing SWAC schools. And I just know just from my ties, Stephen F. Austin was supposed to play Alabama A&M. Now they have a non-conference game that they have to fill a void or won't play. So all these athletic directors and programs are having to scramble and figure this out as far as existence. And some schools canceling their football seasons as we've talked about. Right. And, and that's the thing, too. I, don't, I would be surprised if in college football they have non-conference because you're going to have all those – it's like Texas going to LSU or like A&M going to Alabama mm-hmm. or wherever, whatever A&M's big game is. I think is A&M at LSU or at home this year? We're uh, at home this year. Oh, wherever, yeah. wherever the big game is for A&M, a lot of these states <laughs> aren't going to want other people going in, coming from hotbeds, uh, a lot of right. Texas, right? And and so forth. Like, I don't, I don't see a non-conference. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't at all. Now, you mentioned the NBA season in the bubble. It's supposed to start July 30th. Everything looks good. Um, in Orlando, uh, living on the resort for the most part. Uh, what I liked is the court there, emblazoned or with the label Black Lives Matter on the court. And everything's going to go as planned. Um, it looks like it's going to happen. So the NBA is taking a um, social stance right there. Your thoughts on that as we try to finish this season and determine an NBA champion, and, and they're acknowledging everything such as Black Lives Matter. Good for, good for them. And, good for them, because a lot of people are bitching yeah. still. Because, yeah. and it's like, I don't understand. Like, this, uh, as an example, and I'm not, I'm not pulling away from um, the basketball coming we're about to have, but look at the San Francisco Giants. Like, five players kneeled, and, like, our president, and, I, again, this is not a political show, but from the very top down to everyone on Twitter still thinks it's about the flag. It's not about disrespecting the flag. It's about them using that moment to, sh- to say, hey, I feel like there's, social, there's still social injustice in this country, and it needs to continue to be addressed. That's what it's about. I don't understand how people aren't understanding this. Yeah. It's just mind-boggling. People are ignorant, man. People want to take something and frame it the way they want to frame it. Right. So. Ugh. You know, and when you're people looking, are never willing to look at someone else's perspective and try to get an opinion from someone else's perspective. Like before I jump on someone, I want to understand why you think the way you do. And maybe it'll give me some clarity on why you 
act the way you act or, you know, why you form a judgment in certain ways. So it, yeah. it's just ignorance, man. Ignorance. But, but it is political because you have your, our leader. He's not a voice of reason. I think he tweets and says things to appeal to those who he wants to receive their vote, the same group of people. But I overall eliminate Trump from the picture. I think that as a nation, we are improving and listening more um, to what the meaning of all this matters and the people are embracing it. But uh, it's just, you got to have a voice of reason in positions of leadership and we don't have it. Um, Including the NBA back to that. Have you heard or have you guys read about the snitch line? I find this absolutely hilarious. I, I have heard about that. I saw, um, what's his name? Chris. Chris Hazel used to be on sports center. He's at CBS. Now he did like an act of like, he went through like all the snitches, like Jimmy Butler dribbling the basketball, like three in the morning, uh, like other players not doing like thinking like LeBron's got, you know, this and that. Uh, it's hilarious, man. No, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. They, you know, they're trying to police each other doing safe things or, you know, uh, being COVID free, trying to avoid it. It's funny. And, uh, that act, he said, what that act that he put together, something like he had women come in at what time? Yeah. Onto the campus? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Well, let, let's put a wrap on segment one and what we just talked about, what you just said, Big Mike, about and, and Coach Mo, about all the social injustice, people not understanding, people kneeling. It's not about the flag. The man who really can give us a true perspective on that, who really brought attention to it. Nate Boyer, the former Longhorn deep snapper and his relationship with Colin Kaepernick, who started this entire movement, which surprisingly has taken this long for people to understand it. We got our interview with Nate Boyer on the other side of this break. Hey guys, this is Sean Clench. We always try to promote uh, charitable organizations, but there's one that I found really interesting that really reaches out and helps uh, those in need in the community. It's called Divine Canines. They provide free therapy dog services across Central Texas. They help people like our elderly cope with nasty diseases like Alzheimer's on their visits, hospitalized patients, even children struggling with literacy, children, adults with physical disabilities. You can help this organization maintain their track by donating to divinecanines.org. Welcome back to Stories Inside the Man Cave, a special guest, patriotic guest who has multiple unique stories. Uh, The Nate Boyer, perhaps the most beloved deep snapper in Texas football history, if you will. Nate, we appreciate you joining us from Cali today. Thanks for having me, Sean. Absolutely. Maybe not the greatest long snapper, but (laughs) the most beloved. I'll take that over being. We've only had one other long snapper on our show, and that was Jake Olson, the long snapper from USC. Jake's awesome. You were a longhorn, so I think you're already a step up on him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jake's got me me beat, though, man. I mean, it just goes to show that, like, you literally can be blind and do what I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Talk about a good sense of humor. That guy has got oh, an dude. amazing sense of humor. Have you met Jake? 
Yeah, yeah, I met him a few times, man. I actually snapped, I worked with him a little bit before oh, his yeah. sophomore year, I think. Really? Then, yeah, but then compliance caught wind of it and it was like, oh, you can't, I'm like, the kid is blind. Yeah. Right, like, I'm just trying to help. He's not going to the league, just relax. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, know exactly. you know how they are. But he's such a good dude, man. He He's like guys in the military that get pretty, you know, banged up and wounded and they all, I got like a good buddy of mine, Joey Jones, who's a double amputee. And he's like, he was a bomb tech in the Marine Corps. And he always says, like, I love my job. Obviously, I wasn't very good at it, but blah, 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 <laughs> you know. So that's the kind of sense of humor those guys have. Jake's, Jake's one of those guys. That's pretty funny. So, Nate, tell everybody kind of like you that don't, that, that don't know you, right, that don't know your story. Just give them like a real quick, like, rundown of like you and, and kind of your unique story that, that kind of, you know, gave you a little bit of notoriety. So – yeah, first of all, I went back to college really late. I went back to college at 29, you know, 10 years older than the other freshmen uh, and, and walked down to the UT football team and uh, um, backtracking from that, you know, I never played football before in my life. When I was growing up, I always wanted to play and, uh, or at least it was always my favorite sport. You know, maybe I was, uh, when I was really young, my mom didn't want me to play. And then by the time I was old enough to do it, if I wanted, I was so into baseball and basketball and I was never just like a great athlete. I was like a pretty good athlete. So I was afraid, okay, if I put energy into football, what if I, you know, I'm not good enough to, to play high school baseball, high school basketball, whatever. Uh, and also just like those worries of like, you know, the, the, the teenage fears of uh, being a loser, you know, what if I make the team and then I ride the bench, it's going to look stupid, like all that stupid stuff that, that uh, we all have, you know, we all go through at some level. Every, yeah, every yeah. teenager goes through that. Right. Yeah, those insecurities. So because of that, I didn't play. Um, I just, you know, uh, I, I mean, I love baseball, basketball. I played those, and I was pretty good, you know, hardworking. Um, but I regretted not playing football. So, you know, I, I graduated high school. I moved down to San Diego, worked on a fishing boat for a little bit, and then moved up to Los Angeles. I'm interested in film and television, which I'm back interested in now, 20 years later. And then 9-11 happened and totally changed my trajectory. Uh, didn't join the military right away, but started thinking about it. Started traveling, doing some relief work uh, here and there, and, and ended up in, in uh, Darfur, which is in, uh, this, in Sudan, in, in Africa. And um, it's in the height of the this genocide that was happening there. Um, and I wanted to just help. So I went over there. I volunteered for like 60 days, flew myself over. And it was through my time there that I really kind of gained my patriotism. It's not that I didn't like my country before, but I think I just, I didn't realize uh, how incredible what we have here is. And those people were just so enamored by me. Like the fact that an American would, would leave to go over there and help because pretty much everybody else over there that was an outside volunteer was from somewhere in Europe. And so my last week there, I got malaria and I'm listening to the second battle of Fallujah on this little B on the radio, you know, on the BBC network while I was recovering. And I'm listening to uh, these Marines that were going in and, and fighting for these people. And uh, I just got inspired to come back and, and want to join the military. You know, I'd, I'd thought about it before, but not seriously, but I kind of knew at that point, that's what I wanted to do. And so I, you know, I came home and, and enlisted and, and found out about this uh, Army Special Forces program where you could come in off the street and if you scored high enough and did well enough on like language aptitude and, and psyche vowels and, and all these other things, 
you could you could get this uh, contract that would get you through basic training in airborne school, and then you get a chance to go to selection and compete with other you know regular army guys that were going for the Green Beret. And the attrition rate was really really high. I didn't know that at the time, um, but I just think I, I wanted that challenge and I wanted to do you know I wanted that mission because it was one of the hardest and. Uh, that's pretty much what led me into the military. So I did that, went in, you know, uh, served for uh, almost six years, um, went over to Iraq, and then uh, uh, went over to Israel. And towards the end of that last trip, I sort of made the decision I was going to finally go back to college. And then Texas is the only place I applied. And I ended up, that's when I ended up walking on the team. Nice. And they, I, remember, I remember you had said before that you literally practiced deep snapping in the deserts of either Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah, that was so that was actually after I already got to Texas. So I got to Texas, walked on the team with my size. I mean, it was either like slot receiver or safety, you know, is the only thing that made sense. I'm not very fast either. So that also doesn't help. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, so I, I started playing safety. I, you know, I couldn't get off. The, I was on the, you know, third team. I couldn't get off the third team on anything. I got to cover on kickoff against Texas Tech that first year because we were blowing them out and it was Veterans Day and, it, you know, yeah. it was a perfect storm for me. And it was awesome. I, I, you know, I ran down. I didn't make a tackle or anything, but I ran down there, threw, threw a dude around and, like, yeah. you know, kind of caught the bug. And I was like, all right, I got to find a way to get on the field. So then I started uh, – that's when I started long snapping. Um, I started messing with it anyway because I noticed that the starter was a senior and yeah. the backup was a, was also a senior. And at that time too, I, I'd reenlisted into the uh, National Guard and I made a deal basically with the Texas National Guard um, that if uh, if they'd let me play football, I was available to deploy in the summer. So I'd be available for about three and a half months in the summer. You know, I cleared it with, with, with Mac Brown and all that. And uh, so that's what I did. So between my sophomore, junior and senior year, you know, in the summers between, I went overseas and went back to Afghanistan and I, and I practiced, I brought footballs with me and I built a little target out of plywood and I would like practice, I'd long snap every day for at least half hour, anytime I, any free time I could find, uh, you know, and then I came back and, somehow won the job <laughs> so. <laughs> okay so you play at ut you go to seattle uh and then there's a there's a famous picture of you and colin kaepernick that that you're standing and, and he's kneeling and then you were like i you know we're in support kind of kind of talk about that if you will about how that all transpired and and the, the social you know awareness and, and everything that's going on right now and how that kind of started to transpire back when you were there yeah so when i was in seattle this is in 2015 um you know i got an opportunity to go up there in training camp i was i was 34 so like my odds of making the final roster were very minimal <laughs> and i knew that yeah uh you know well, for the invite yeah i just hey i got i got to go through ota's training camp and i played in one uh one preseason game against the broncos you got to play in the NFL, man. It's, uh, exactly. It was cool, man. And it was like, it was, it was actually, it was perfect, man. It was in Seattle, you know, CenturyLink Field. And the, the Seahawks had been off back-to-back, -back, had come off back-to-back -back Super Bowls. And we're playing the Broncos, who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year in Peyton Manning's last season. 
So I'm warming up at midfield before the game next to Peyton Manning um, in his, you know, on his, his last ride. And uh, that was pretty incredible. And then we go out before the game and they asked me, just like I got to do in college, you know, lead the team out of the tunnel with the American flag. The equipment manager asked if I wanted to lead the team out of the, the Seahawks out of the tunnel. With wow. the and I was like, of course. So I did that. I'm on the sideline and then the anthem starts playing. And in college, we're in the locker room still when they play the anthem, you know. But as everybody knows at this point, uh, in the NFL, every, you know, players are on the field. So song starts playing, you know, I put my hand on my heart, find the tallest flag in the building, and I just started crying, man. I started bawling. And it was like, I mean, a lot of it was that song does produce a, somewhat of an emotional reaction with me because of my experience and connection to those symbols. But also it was the moment, you know, just like, getting that chance, you know, I think I knew in the back of my head, you know, they were making a big, big number of cuts the next week. I knew in the back of my head, this, this is probably it, but you never know. And then uh, also it was just thinking about my whole journey, thinking about men and women still serving, those that didn't make it back, all that stuff, right? So fast forward to a year later, and that's when Colin Kaepernick started sitting on the bench in protest of, uh, uh, you know, social I guess social injustice, racial inequality, police brutality would be the best way to put it. Um, it wasn't, you know, the message wasn't about him being anti-military or, you know, even really, at least at the time, you know, fully against the the country or, you know, even even really about, he did say, I will say this, he did say, I'm not gonna stand for the flag of a country that oppresses black people and people of color, which I, I took, uh, um, I don't want to say offense to, but it, but it definitely like, I didn't agree with that statement. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel that way, especially after my time in, in right. Darfur and Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, that being said, racism still exists. You know, the system has improved in many ways in our nation's history, but it still has a long way to go. So like I was on board with that and always wanting to, to be better. Like <clears throat> most cops do it the right way every day. It's a really hard job, but the ones that don't, we need to fix those issues. It's the same in the military. If we have people that aren't doing their job properly and are killing people they shouldn't be killing, right. that needs to get fixed. So I was on board for that. And uh, I wrote this open letter to Colin, kind of explaining my experiences, but also saying, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm open to kind of hearing what you got, what you're thinking as far as like steps. And, um, you know, I, I sent it, it was, uh, published through the Army Times. I didn't think that many people would even read it, to be honest. And uh, ended up a lot of people read it because I think a lot, of, a lot of sports media shared it. That was one of the main reasons. And uh, then Colin reached out. He called me the next day and was like, and I'd never met him before. I was just a big 49er fan growing up in the Bay Area. And he said, hey, I, you know, I'd like to sit down and, and talk if you're open to it. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, and, and I, I made sure I asked him, I was like, it's not like with media or anything. He's like, no, 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 not at all. It's not like a, this isn't a publicity thing at all. I, I just, I genuinely have some questions. So we sat down, we met, we talked and through our conversation, that's when he, uh, um, he asked me if there was another way he could protest besides sitting on the bench that wouldn't offend people in the military. Uh, I told him, no, <laughs> there's nothing you can do that won't offend some people. But if you're asking my opinion, I think being alongside your teammates would be important. And uh, 
I think the only other option, if you're committed to not standing, which he said he was, that taking a knee would, would, would make sense. I see that that's, the, uh, that's a more respectful gesture, in my opinion. And, uh, um, you know, people take a knee when players take a knee when someone's hurt on the field. People take a knee to pray, propose to their future spouse. And, uh, yeah, when I go to Arlington and visit my buddy's grave, I take a knee out of respect. So he agreed. He took a knee that night. And uh, I agreed to stand next to him um, when he did that. And that's, uh, that's where that came from. That's where the, uh, that's where the kneeling came from. And, uh, and that's where that famous picture you're talking about uh, derived from. Nate, when you, you think about all that, there was a lot of misinterpretation of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, misunderstood, I guess, by, and I hate saying it, but white America. Traditional Americans' point of view, they weren't open-minded to really understand the meaning of what he was trying to accomplish. And, you know, but when you enter the picture, there was a better understanding. You fast forward to today, there's more understanding of Kaepernick and what's your you know, how you interjected and, and, and helped him see things differently, both of you. Where, what is the resolution, do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think part of that, first of all, we talk about like that, that, that viewpoint of a lot of white Americans. A lot of it's not their fault, man. It's the way the media, mainstream, like cable news media, has spun this narrative. They want, a lot of them, they want division because it sells, it sells advertising spots. They want people to take a side, to pick a team. Like, are you, you know, are you this like flag waving, America is always righteous kind of person? Or are you, um, no matter what, you know, every person of color is always and will always be oppressed. And it's just like, it's ridiculous because it, it, it's not the reality, you know what I mean? But people get fed that over and over and they feel like they don't have to cho have a choice but to take a side. And that's, that's why we're in this, in my opinion, that's why we're in this, this issue and why we don't want to listen because it always sounds like the other side is just attacking us. And so like if you get, I mean, I, I, I look at it from Colin's perspective. If he's constantly getting attacked by one side telling him, you know, calling him an SOB from the highest ranks of uh, office uh, all the way down to like, you know, just Twitter trolls, just hating, whatever. If they're always doing that, why, why on earth would he want to like um, balance his viewpoint or his, or, you know what I mean? Or like, let's, let's, why would he want to listen to you if you're being like that? And inversely, you know, or conversely or whatever the word is, um, for people on that, you know, the other side, people that feel maybe they have more conservative values, feel a certain way, when they always see this, like, when they see constant, like, unrest and people that won't acknowledge that, yes, this country, like, we still have a lot of work to do, but won't acknowledge that, like, the civil rights movement didn't have an impact and wasn't powerful and uh, hasn't changed things in our country for the better in a lot of ways like that's frustrating too because those things did happen a lot of people died for that and they're not people that were in the military necessarily you know what i mean mm -hmm. and uh so like that's 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 where we're at right now that's that's just killing me it's you know it's driving me nuts and uh there's a lot of things colin has said and done and worn that i don't agree with even today even like recently over fourth of july weekend 
I saw that. You know, he tweeted something that I just, I just can't, I'm not on board with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it was a very, it was a statement full of absolutes in my opinion, but some of the stuff he's saying, I do agree with. And I think the end state, as far as, um, our system holding people accountable that do wrong, you know, especially when we're specifically talking about police brutality and law enforcement, if that's something we're going to focus on, like that does need to get better. That does need to change. We need to um, hold everybody accountable in, you know, political positions as well. Um, but citizens need to be held accountable for themselves too, you know, and to, to just say that, that, that everybody on one side of an issue is, is, uh, has done nothing wrong and is completely innocent all the time. It's just, it's just not, it's just not reality. And I think everybody kind of knows that, you know, it's just, a, it's a hard conversation to have, it is. Um, but I, that's all I encourage. It's just people from both sides of this, this thing, just to, just to listen to one another, another and calm down. And like, we're going to have the only solutions, real solutions we're going to find, I think are going to be somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. We got to let you go. I got two quick questions. One, Favorite place to eat in Austin. Two, <laughs> if you could explain what it feels like to run out of the tunnel at DKR Memorial Stadium carrying a flag with 105,000 people, give me the word that you would use to describe that feeling. Man, well, I'll, I'll answer that one first. That feeling is – it was nerve-wracking because it, always, it never failed. It would run through my head if I – and I run out of this fog and I trip and fall – and that flag goes down on the ground, I will be the number one gift in history of like ultimate <laughs> fails. So like I had that, but also like really prideful, especially once I got out of the fog, cleared the fog, passed the goalpost, and you yeah. hear the crowd just you know going crazy. Man, that I get chills just thinking about it every time because it's like it's not only the uh, the butterflies and the excitement of the game. Um, but also just like, if it feels like they're cheering for that flag, you know, and like the yeah. you know, kind of, that's what it just feels like. So, um, that, that, that was always a really, really special feeling, man. It was always like my, it, it helped me settle into the game too. You know what I mean? Like kind of yeah, gets rid of exactly. some of those nerves and all that, man, best place to eat in Austin, favorite place to eat in Austin. That is a freaking hard question, dude. That is a really hard question. Any, any, like any genre, anything. I know the the best place to have a drink, and I and I have a little uh, I, I have a little uh, skin in the game on this one, but Handlebar, yeah, <laughs> uh, no doubt the best place to have a drink, yeah. Uh, but I do. There's so many great bars in Austin too, though. I do love in that area. I like Mean Eyed Cat. I like Little Woodrow's, uh, Deep Eddie Cabaret's a classic. I mean, there's so many cool spots. I do. I do like um, Handlebar. Handlebar is a, a fun little bar. How do you have one. skin in the game in that one? What's that? Entrepreneur. Oh, I, I, you know what? My, my junior year there, sophomore, junior year, when they were just open, before they were opening up, I knew William Brett. Uh, yeah. From you know, I, I actually, I worked as a bouncer for like a month at uh, the Blind Pig my freshman year because I was just looking yeah. for a summer job. Yeah. Before I went back into the National Guard. Yeah. And uh, oh shoot, I got to jump over. But uh, anyway, so I met those guys then. Can you hear that? That's probably really annoying. Oh, that's fine. That's go, fine. Man, don't worry about it. We'll just say that that's your favorite place to be at. It is my favorite place. All right. Hey, I got to jump. I got to hey, jump. Hey, Nate, we appreciate you, man. God bless America, baby. See thank you, guys. Hey, thank you. Appreciate y'all. We'll wrap things up on the other side of this break.
Hey guys, this is Mike from Last Stand Hats. Wanted to uh, give a give a quick shout out to Helmets for Helmets, an organization that helps out young kids who have epilepsy. Reach out to them. Cool foundation. All the money goes to helping get helmets are uh, themed for fire, you know, mainly NFL to other kids who you know are having seizures and need protective gear but want to look cool and and, and fashionable with their favorite team as they do it so check them out helmets for helmets on instagram twitter feel free to hate it's a great cause again that's helmets for helmets welcome back to stories inside the man cave 28 episodes in and we just had most one of the most profound voices uh nate boyer the former longhorn deep snapper um mo you were absent that day but coach he had quite a few profound things to say, as I mentioned, but Big Mike, you were there. Do you think the message that he has delivered is clearer to everybody now to what that meaning was with he and Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, I think that he kind of, he explains it, right? He says, look, you know, this is, this is who I am. He kind of tells a story about the military and whatnot. And then he, 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 he opened up and he let people know like, Hey, this is the, this is the reason behind it. Right. Not a lot of people read this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty profound. Like I, I, I liked that he was the one that had to sit down and talk with him and said, Hey, well, this is what you can do then. Like, why don't you do this? And I'll stand and support you. Right. Coach Mo, the thing that I, I know you weren't there, you, you had some work related, uh, uh, responsibilities, but your understanding of Nate Boyer and the Colin Kaepernick situation, why do you think there's so much misinterpretation? I don't, you know, it's so freaking weird, man, because when you take a knee, it's a, it's, it, it's a sign of respect. You know, they teach you that in, in sports. When someone gets injured, whether it's baseball, basketball, Football, probably not so much in basketball, but in any other sport, soccer, what's the first thing you see athletes do? They take a knee. (laughs) It's a shine of respect without being disrespectful. Like, it it goes to, like, what are you fucking people thinking? Like, it has nothing to do with the flag. He is showing respect for the flag by taking a knee silently and saying, hey, I'm causing awareness. I'm not going to sing the song, but I'm going to take the knee because it's a sign of respect to the flag and draw awareness to what's going on. I don't get why people don't see through that. But like I said, common sense is not common practice. So people are not thinking, man. They, 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 they taking a sign of someone taking a knee as disrespect. No, I'm being submissive. I'm showing respect. I'm going down on a knee. <laughs> When yeah, you pray, yeah. what do you do? You go down on your knees because it's a sign of submissive and you are willing to listen or you are willing to not be disrespectful. That's what fucking taking a knee is. It's a sign of not being disrespectful. Yeah. It, yeah that, that's what all people it are talking about. It, it's frustrating <laughs> because we have, I think we're, again, I'm not, I am an eternal optimist, but I'm a realist at the same time. But I also feel like you still have people who, I hate to label people small-minded. I don't like saying small-minded, but I, you just have people who are going to believe what they believe. My train of thought is 
listen and grow. We listen, all make listen and grow. Listen yep. and grow. Always be willing to. And it's a lesson learned for all of us with our all of our relationships. Listen, mm -hmm. be open minded to understand each other. And yep. you can apply it to work, your romantic relationships, your friendships, everything. Listen. Yep. Grow, yep. Sure. Because our way isn't always the best way. And again, I just want to reiterate on this again. Taking a knee is a form of respect. <laughs> right. Once again, when someone gets hurt in the field, the other teams take a knee. When you're about to propose to your wife, you take a knee. It's That's a, a good form point. Of respect. It's a form of respect. <laughs> you're right. being submissive. <laughs> you are being submissive. See if you that's I've never thought of it that way. And then people be like, Well, it's not a respect if it's the flag. You're like, Well, he's not doing it out of respect. No, he's doing it to raise awareness. But yeah. if you're gonna get mad at him for kneeling during that during the anthem because you can't get out of your head that it's he you think he's disrespecting America, then don't, you know, get upset when all these other like you said, like when you propose to your wife, don't get on a knee. Don't get on a knee. Don't do it. It's disrespectful. Yeah, she's gonna yeah. slap the fuck out of you. Yeah, oh, slap sorry, the shit out of you. sorry. <laughs> hey, that's unacceptable. Langer. I'm, I'm just, but it's it's true, man. Like I don't get like what that means. Like like even when you pray, you fall on your knees. <laughs> like I don't get what people are talking about. Like this is it. He what he did. I it's taking a knee is a another form of showing respect without disrespecting something like I'm going to go down on one knee as opposed to standing up. I'm going to go down on one knee because you're going to see me on a knee and that's just going to draw the attention. Also, yeah. Also remember like, he, originally it was, he was sitting on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Originally. Now that would have been disrespectful. You yeah. sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's disrespectful. You're sitting down doing the national anthem because that's the first thing people say. You need to stand up with a national anthem. Okay, I'm standing up. But I'm yeah. going to take a knee because it's still a form of respect. There you go. See, there you go. Now I like now people can't have a rebuttal to that. You're right. 100% Mo. Sitting yeah. on the bench would be disrespectful as as all get out. But yep. the fact that all right, I don't want to stand, but I'm Still gonna show respect to the flag and my mm -hmm. country and kneel, even though I'm also bringing awareness to the fact that there is social injustice and I don't feel like, like you know, things things are right and it needs to change. Yep. See, that's the narrative it should be, but it's not, and it won't be because it'll always be from now until then because that's what came out years ago. Is oh, he's disrespecting the flag in our country and blah. I mean, let's not forget the NFL blackballed him and had him out of the league because of this entire issue. Because and then the Goodell came on. It's like, oh, we support Black Lives Matter. We're all – no, bro. You had an mm -hmm. opportunity. You're not Adam Silver. You had an opportunity. Yep. To, He's playing cleanup control now. Yeah. But, but cleanup control. Well, let's face mm -hmm. it. He has become a significant figure in, our, in this movement right now to hopefully uh, – as we uh, not hopefully we are making progress slowly but surely, but he will be known as a significant figure in history, which uh, helps shed a positive light and to get this thing going. It's taking some time though, but uh, we are making uh, progress. Uh, 
I know, Mike, uh, there's no good segue to this. I know this is one of your favorite segments every show. So uh, you <laughs> that you want to. Tender time. Oh, yeah. That's, I know you love just saying it. Tender time. Tender. So let me, uh, we won't get into Sean's personal life. Unfortunate situation for me. You know, you. Yeah. What good movies have you seen lately? You know, I need to catch up. I, I did see the Hamilton musical recently. How was that? It was, it's well, it's long, but it was well worth it. And when I saw it, I had good company. Uh, it's just, it's great. I mean, I, I recommend it for everybody. I think it's a good piece. And I saw, we saw it with the original cast. Um, that is, regardless of who is in it. And if it's not the original cast, I would highly recommend it because it's history and uniquely written music lyrics and it helps you learn and it, it keeps you engaged yeah my uh my wife has is season ticket holders to the broadway shows that come to austin let me tell you how awesome those season tickets are fellas love it i'm being highly sarcastic it's terrible i don't like musicals why can't you just talk to me why do you have to sing to me and then talk and then sing I just don't get this is not you're not Disney. So right. get out of here. But I did see I did see Hamilton when it came to Austin. Now that, that one was pretty cool. Um Phantom of the Opera 2, you can just I'm not gonna say like, you know, put me out of my misery, but it was it was not good. Cats was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Walked out of midway. Uh, I wanted to see Aladdin, because you know, that's a Disney. Or yeah. The Lion King. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, musicals, dude. Have you seen have you seen any musicals, Mo? Uh, I've only been to one mus uh musical show and that was Wicked. And yeah. I loved it. It was it I was saw awesome. Wicked. Wicked was good too, bro. Yeah, Wicked was good. Um Hamilton, I just could not get into it. I you know, it was it's on Disney right now where you can watch it. That's live. where we watched it. Yeah. Um, how but I, I just it only like one scene it was like the British uh, king scene the rest of yeah. it it's just too much it's too many moving too much singing too much but I, I must say the only movie musical that I like was uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas whoa whoa that is, that's a pretty yeah. good one too that's a pretty good yeah. one um, that's a good one that's a, that's a great one actually that's not bad that's a great one you know yeah, what? Do you have do you have Hulu? I uh, do have Hulu. Yeah. Watch Drunken History. Have you seen that on Drunken Hulu? History? No. So it's on Comedy Central, but basically they go interview these three comedians for each segment, and they get them. They just start drinking, and they have them tell stories about like different people, like whether it's George Washington or whatever. And they're so drunk. It's it's pretty funny. <clears throat> That's really? a good one. You, you yeah, know, good another, fun series. Good lighthearted fun series to watch before you go to bed if you want a nice little chuckle. <laughs> nice you know, another one. One, of the, one I saw a while back was pretty good musical-wise was Chicago and the Death of a Salesman. Hmm. I haven't seen either one of those. I did see Rent. Yeah, Sean, you, you got some depth in the musical world. There you go. What else is uh what else is going on in the world of the man cave? Any crazy stories this week? You know, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't have anything crazy. 
We're being very boring today on this episode as far as uh, crazy. Um, yeah, this is a more, this is, look, we're doing this at noon. No, I'm not drinking. I'm drinking coffee because I am so effing tired. Uh, yeah. Do close. We go, we have our final walkthrough on our condo today. So Beautiful. Cool. Congrats, man. Um, nice investment. Yeah. Nice little investment. In-laws. Hello. So are you, where's the, where's the condo at? Uh, East Riverside. By, you know where Emo's is at? No, you know where Baby A's is on East on East Riverside. You know yeah, oh, East yeah. Riverside. Yeah. So like Baby, Baby. A's, uh, it's like a Walgreens over there, like a yeah Dairy Queen and the Grackle. Right. It's right over right. there. That area. It's uh, <clears throat> so not bad. Y'all gonna lease lease it out to tenants? Yeah. Yeah, we are gonna lease it out. So if anyone knows anybody looking for rent, wants to live close to downtown. Hey, so what's the zip codes over there? Me and my wife have been talking about kind of maybe jumping in, you know, buying maybe like a duplex or triplex and renting out, or maybe even a condo if we can find something that's reasonable, that's nice. So I will text you. There are some condos for like, for like, there's one that just came on the market for 117 in the same complex. There's another one for like, oh wow. Another one for like 125, another one for 132. They're not bad. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll text you the info. Um, but yeah, definitely. So that we're 78702, and it's just across the river. So I think it's like 78705. So you're by you, is that condo by the boardwalk? No, the condo's over on what's what's East Austin's Uh, on the riverside, (laughs) East Austin. On the other side of the river, on south of the river. I'm not sure what that this is. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's like a mod of the green belt. They're like, yo, this like, let's talk about that for a second. Um, really? Alligators. Alligators have been seen. How did the alligators get this far said. into inland? That's what I said. You know what fucks with your mind? Language. Because... I was out of the lake last weekend, and I'm, like, just floating around. All of a sudden, I'm like, well, what if an alligator's in, in Tra- Lake Travis? Nobody thought there'd be one in Lady Bird Lake. I don't want to get eaten Interesting. from this ground. You know how an alligator kills you? They drag you down and spin you in circles until yeah. you right. until until uh, the ground. Yeah. Not the death I want, fellas. I, I think someone either released as a pet or – somehow migrated from flooded areas off somewhere along the Colorado river, you know, uh, from downstream. That's uh, they're like, Oh, well they can just move them out. No, you can't. They lay eggs. Yeah. Don't they? Like they don't have to have eggs. Yeah. They lay, they lay eggs on like near the shoreline and then you never know they're there. I hate 2020. I I think, I think alligators, alligators do have tender time as well. I mean, do they have tender time? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure they have to in order to create eggs. I, I don't know. I that. thought they were like, I thought they were like Godzilla, and they can just make their own eggs. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Have sex with themselves. I don't know, man. Yeah, like, I don't know. But then again, I'm pretty naive to that stuff. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, you won't catch me in the lake. <laughs> no, fuck that. I'll yeah, be in they... my boat and get hey. out. That's uh alligators do mate. 
He Googled it. Okay, great. Oh. There were two of them, though, so yep. I don't know if they're – and this is Austin, so I don't know what's going down with the alligators. The water's a little too cool because the spring-fed water. They're like yeah, – right. Um, okay. So we have that going. They'll probably adapt. They'll probably adapt oh. too. There. Yeah. But well, what's going to... on with? What's up? What's going on with like all the gym stuff? So everything is, you know, somewhat normal. Um, like here at my place, for instance, every trainer has to wear a mask. Um, clients can wear a mask if they choose to, but it's. Not highly recommended just because we don't want no one painting and passing out and this motherfucker. Um, but, you know, our numbers are low. A lot of people are afraid to come in. Uh, we do have, like, some classes that we hold outside uh, so everyone can stay in, you know, natural, fresh air. Uh, but even those numbers are down, too, just with, you know, the recent spike in cases and whatnot. People just are scared, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was walking down the street. By the gym the other day you know i'm on one side of the sidewalk and the sidewalk you know it's probably about you know four feet wide or whatever and this lady what gets off the sidewalk walks in the road to bypass me she went about yeah. 20 feet i was like really like is that what we doing yeah, same thing yeah. man sarah and i went weird. And walk, yeah we went and walked the dog around state cemetery yesterday morning and we didn't put on masks i'm like do we do we need masks when we're walking technically are you allowed because i know there's an ordinance but i mean like the guy with the mask same thing went into the road one dude had his dog and he like walked into like he was walking the cemetery to wait for us to walk by which was like 20 feet away saying i'm like god almighty man yeah it's what is yeah I've seen it. it people sucks. people will step off yeah. sidewalks if you're walking toward them, and it's uh, just uh, and sometimes they don't want to make eye contact. It's just very strange. It's uh, yeah, it's strange. Very odd. Hey, before we wrap up, I I definitely want to give our amazing listeners who have followed us through this journey this year to uh, as we launch this podcast to. Send us an email because you know Big Twelve Football Media Days has been delayed. We want your questions. So if oh, you we'll, we'll give them the announcement, dude, that we will be at Big Twelve Media Days officially. Yeah, you know we're credentialed. Uh, we will be instead of like in my past, instead of being there, we will be recording the interviews. And if everything goes right on the technical side, we will have sound, as we call it from uh, Big 12 football coaches and players on part of a special episode. And if you have a question, email us stories inside the man cave podcast at gmail.com for coach Mo and big Mike. We out. Wake your ass up. Bye. Bye. We good player.